When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. In the 30th episode of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, Discovery, Choose Your Pain, I talked about the incredible performance review that Saru set up for himself. Now, there's a tool that enables you to do the same thing for yourself and your teams. For your free copy of this tool, visit starfleetleadership.academy and join the mailing list. You'll not only get a free copy of this incredible tool, but you'll also hear about other cool things going on with the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Visit starfleetleadership.academy today and get your free copy. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Have you ever been worried or even afraid to tell your boss you're getting a new job? I know I have. In fact, I avoided opportunities because of a toxic work environment before. I'm excited to talk about what you can do to not only make the people you work with feel comfortable doing this, but even doing it in a way that encourages people to try new things out. Let's do it. This is the second episode of the first season of Lower Decks, Envoys. Ensigns Tendi and Mariner are hanging out when Boimler comes in to share that he just got a cool assignment. I'm going to be piloting General Corinne down to Tolgano 4. He's super excited, sees this as a huge opportunity. He even practices formal Klingon greetings. Nuthnach! Nuthnach! Ensign Rutherford with engineering emerges from a Jeffries tube. He loves being there and is excited for his next assignment that'll keep him there for a few days. But he had plans with Tendi. I thought we were going to watch the Travoli Pulsar together. He says he's going to quit his job in engineering, switch divisions, so he'll have more time to spend with his friends. Huh. I don't know. Seems a little extreme to me. Well, speaking of extreme, Boimler is in his formal dress uniform as he reports to the shuttle. And who's waiting for him? You got the same mission assignment as me? Yep. It's Mariner, and he is beside himself. In engineering, Rutherford asks to talk to his boss, Lieutenant Commander Billups. He's going to ask for a transfer. But before he can ask for that, Billups makes it as hard as possible for him to ask this. Come on, man. You're my number one with the bullet systems guy. But he digs deep, and he asks anyway. 
and Billups approves the request. He's excited for him and even wishes him well. General Corinne gets onto the shuttle and Mariner attacks him. She kicks him in the face and he punches her right back. She grabs his knife, wraps around his neck, and just before she cuts his throat, they burst out laughing. Turns out they're old friends. Boimler's upset as they swap stories, sing, drink blood wine while he pilots the shuttle. Corinne insists they land in the Klingon district instead of the Federation embassy, and that's what they do. Boimler transmits his confirmation codes, and they head down. Corinne is passed out in the shuttle. As Boimler and Mariner get off of it, he wakes up, starts the shuttle, and flies off. Classic Corinne. Now they're stranded and have to find him. They bumble around with Boimler following protocol and Mariner playing loose with the rules. And it's not going too well for them. On the Cerritos, their ship, Rutherford is trying out the command division. The XO, Commander Jack Ransom, is letting him try out a bridge simulation. His job is to get the ship home in the scenario, but immediately, everything starts going wrong and he has no idea how to respond. The kindergarten on deck eight, it's gone! Ransom keeps giving him more chances and it just keeps getting worse. Boimler's starting to feel pretty bad. Mariner goes to use the restroom and a woman starts to hit on him. Just as she goes in for the kiss, Mariner comes in, hoses it down. It's not a woman at all. It's an anabage that just wants to lay eggs in Boimler's throat. As it runs off, she just insults him. Jamaharon! This boy wants Jamaharon! Not jiving with command, Rutherford joins Tendi in sickbay to try his hand at nursing. Take your mind off of this. Uh, think about work. Think about the warp core. I got burned in the warp core! Those are dilithium birds? How are you still alive, man? Dr. Ta'ana tells him this is not a good fit. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. And recommends he tries out security. Fun little fact here, this is now, at this point, the first time in Star Trek history that someone wore all three different color uniforms in one episode. While Rutherford joins up with Lieutenant Shax, the overzealous Bajoran security officer, he puts him into the toughest scenario possible. Smorgasbord. Rutherford uses his eye implant thingy and he rocks the Borg. Shax, Shax can't believe it. He says that he uses this scenario to see how people can handle losing. But Rutherford totally aced it. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. Feeling pretty good, he heads out with Shax. Looks like Rutherford is joining security. Boimler's by-the-book approach finally completely blows up when he jumps in to break up what looks like some people mugging an elderly Andorian. But they're actually trying to stop a Vendorian shapeshifter. The people in the bar get upset, thinking he's working with the Vendorian, and an epic bar fight breaks out. You all know the rules! All bubble-blowing babies will be beaten senseless by every able-bodied patron in the bar. Until Mariner dives in and breaks the whole thing up. Boimler leaves the bar, head down, questioning his entire career. Mariner catches up to him says they should get back to finding General Corinne, but... I don't even care anymore. He's upset that she handled herself so well and that he keeps blowing it. He thinks that all of his studying has been for nothing. And ultimately, he decides... I guess I'm just not cut out for Starfleet. No matter what Mariner says, he won't hear her and just gets more and more upset. In a change of pace, Shax is excited about Rutherford and introduces him to the rest of the team. He has a rousing speech and everybody's excited, but... But while he's talking, Rutherford sees a Jeffries tube 
And he decides that that's where his heart truly is. It's where he wants to be. He tells Shax, who gets excited. He's excited that he's choosing what he really wants. Rutherford heads back towards engineering. Boimler's given up, so they're looking for the shuttle that Corinne stole so they can just get back to the Cerritos. On the way, a Ferengi jumps out and suspiciously offers them a ride. Mariner is all about it, but Boimler knows that this is bad news. What are you doing? We can't trust a Ferengi. What? He's not a Ferengi. Yes, he is. Oh, I think he's a Bolian. He eventually talks her down, and it turns out he was right. As they go to leave, the Ferengi pulls a knife and drops one of the greatest lines in all all of Star Trek. Give me a profit! They get past him and find the general, passed out, totally drunk. They dump him on the porch of the Federation Embassy and fly back to the ship. On the ship, Boimler is telling everybody about how he sniffed out the Ferengi, totally glossing over his day of epic fails, and all at the cost of Mariner. Rutherford and Tendi find a way they can watch the Pulsar together anyway. She's going to watch it on a pad, while he's working in the tubes. I love it when a plan comes together. Kind of embarrassed by Boimler parading his big win over her, Mariner is in her bunk, alone. She takes a call from a friend of hers, and it's the Ferengi that held them up. Was I convincing enough for you? Human! <laughs> you were perfect, Quimp. She set the whole thing up. She gave a chunk of her dignity to help Boimler feel better about himself. Super cool move that she should not have had to have made. This is one of my favorite episodes of Lower Decks. It's hilarious, has really cool character moments and some invaluable leadership lessons. On top of that, it's got Tom Kenny. Kids always want to learn how to do the SpongeBob laugh. You just move your hand up and down on your neck and rattle it around, you know? They love it. Yes, Tom Kenny was the Ferengi quimp the Vandorian shapeshifter, and a few other voices in the command simulator. But maybe more than anything, <laughs> I love this episode for its homage to speed walking. Come to Quark's Crosses Fun. Come right now. Don't walk. Run. Have you done all the hard work of writing a book, but you can't get it in enough readers' hands? If so, check out my podcast, The Reluctant Book Marketer, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Adam Lamb, producer and host of Chef Life Radio, the only podcast dedicated to chefs who want to enjoy their careers without sacrificing their lives. Chef Life Radio, available everywhere you get your podcasts. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. I love the kind of meaningless cold opens in this series. This one had two really great bits in it. First, Ensign, Mariner, and Tendi are hard at work when one of those transdimensional energy creatures shows up. Like, how many times did this happen in the original series in TNG? Well, in DS9, yeah, Voyager 2. Like, these little energy beings were entire plot points. But instead of getting sucked into their games, Mariner just shuts it down. It's fun, because, like, you gotta think that after all these years, centuries even, They'd have a pretty good bead on how to handle beans like this. And then, you know how Picard, despite, despite all the cool stuff he did, kind of set an unfair precedent in Star Trek? You see, with Picard, every captain has had to have their thing 
that they said engage was his thing or or make it so but it didn't end there no jellico had get it done burnham has let's fly pike has hit him and i'm sure there are others but this puts a ton of pressure on captains i think carol freeman captain of the cerritos is no exception i mean she's devoting real time to figuring this thing out i really gotta think of something cool to say when we're going to war something like it's warp time what do you think of that is that good for you hopefully uh hopefully she comes up with something a little better than that now my mother-in-law here's a little personal story but my mother-in-law is a super active person in fact in fact, I think she used to be like a power lifter, but nowadays she's all about speed walking. She leads a group in her office and has a personal coach, a personal speed walking coach that she works with. It's great. I mean, really. And, and it's kind of hilarious. Like I'm sure, I'm sure speed walking is great and all, but when Mariner and Boimler get to the planet, she says what our family has been thinking for years i am not going to speed walk what is this speed walking you know we're going the same speed Stop. it's so true now if you're a power walker speed walker no offense no offense intended but seriously it's it's walking and walking at about the same speed and distance i walk without a bunch of training and a coach but hey if it makes you happy then it's awesome yeah this is just the second episode of the series, but I love how fully developed everything is. The characters, the interactions, the world. It's great. But one of the cool things about Lower Decks is that on a first watch, this is just a, just a funny episode. But when you get further along in the series and you realize how subtly and almost, almost subversively it communicates the messages and themes Star Trek always aims for, you watch this episode and see the absolute brilliance in it. Command codes verified. The first time I watched this episode, I had to pick my jaw up off the ground. I could not believe how blatantly they showed a positive, supportive culture that is focused on the development of every single person on the team. And not only that, but they were able to make it into a punchline because it is so very much the opposite of most organizations today. I'm going to talk about what happened in this episode and the cultural leadership that can make this happen for you and your teams as well. And because this is Lower Decks, we also get an opportunity to touch on our toxic dominant culture and how even in a show that's taking it head on, still uses it for laughs. But before any of that, I get to hit on the topic I covered in DS9 playing God, the value of experience over education. But thanks to a mission gone wrong, we get to see how important they both are and how one doesn't necessarily replace the other. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support this podcast. Back in the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode, DS9, Playing God, I kind of railed against formal education for leaders and managers. I talked at length about how people that want to lead and manage are better served by getting to work and doing the stuff rather than sitting in lecture halls and listening to professors talk about the, about the theory of constraints or, or CPV, right? Customer perceived value. And I 100% stand by everything I said in that episode. And not only 
because it is entirely validated by the series of unfortunate events in this episode. If you were interested in stories with happy endings, then you would be better off somewhere else. See, they land on the planet, their shuttle is stolen, and they're stranded. Boimler immediately starts applying everything he learned at the academy, what we would call university, and what he's learned in his own studies. After getting beaten up by a taxor and nearly having eggs laid in his throat, he's pretty upset. He and Mariner talk about it. I didn't study them at all. I studied by doing, you know? And she is almost completely correct. What I want you to hear here is that a formal education is not necessary for you to be successful as a leader. It is necessary if you want to practice medicine or law, be an engineer, something like that. But if you want to lead people, go lead people. Go experience work cultures and learn by doing. But the piece that this episode adds is great. And it's one that I personally need to work harder to take to heart. And that piece is education still plays a vital role in successful leadership. Yes, I've learned all about the theory of constraints and other process improvement methodologies by doing them, right? I dug in, I did the work, I mapped the processes, I asked the questions, used the problem-solving tools, I rolled up my sleeves, and I did the stuff. But I also took the time to read the books, like Reaching the Goal by John Arthur Ricketts. I reached out to the experts to ask questions and to learn from them. Was it a formal education? No, but it was a guided education based on the experiences I had in the workplace. In the end, it's the combination of experience and education that make a person effective. Despite Mariner's cavalier attitude in this episode, it's important to note that she also went to Starfleet Academy. She also has a formal education. She just chose to expand on it by doing things instead of reading more books like Boimler did, or by spending more money on a graduate program, for example, that far too many do. I know that the most intelligent way to start making a lot of money is to find a way to get at least $100,000 in debt before you even begin making money. So I decided to go to college. What I found very interesting in this episode was how Mariner, the one that learns through experience, had to create a scenario that validated Boimler, the one who prizes education and study over experience. What's your landing code? Uh, what? Tilgonan security requires all shuttlecraft to provide a secure landing code. In creating this scenario, she helped rebuild his confidence, which was super compassionate of her to do, but... But she also gave him an opportunity to put his learning into real practice. I went to college! What she did was help Boimler to shift his mindset away from closed systems of book-based or study-based education to a mindset of learning in all situations. She helped him to experience how his more formal education could be practically applied. So if you're a person with more experience and are working with people right out of college or new leaders without a lot of experience, it's up to you to create an open situations where they apply their learning to those practical applications. Here, Mariner calls a friend and fabricates a whole scenario. Now, I don't, I don't really recommend you do that. Like All you have to do is let them dive in. Let them participate in tasks that will give them experience. Then, later, let them lead those tasks. And eventually, they'll be doing the same for the people around them. 
This not only ensures that everyone has the experience necessary to collaborate and add value, but it helps create leaders all through your team. What was even more interesting about this whole thing, though, you know, Mariner creating the scenario was the fact she had to even create it in the first place. Now, again, yes, she was trying to help a friend feel better, but the reality is it's not uncommon for someone, usually a woman, to have to go out of their way to help someone else, usually a man, feel better about their shortcomings. This is a part of the toxic dominant culture that most of us work in. In this culture, many people claim an unearned right to comfort. Like, just just speaking bluntly, without compassion, Boimler was right to feel bad. He should have felt inadequate. He was unprepared for the situation that he was in. Now, someone with an abundance mindset that sees opportunity instead of scarcity would have felt what Boimler felt but then would have been motivated to work to improve themselves. Boimler, though, Boimler decides to quit and become a bug scientist. Caterpillar into chrysalis, or pupa. Because he claims a right to comfort, even when he is objectively in the wrong, Mariner has to step up and help make him feel validated and better about himself. And here's the worst part. The worst part of this is that she does it at her own expense. Even without the part that I'm going to talk about here next, she still had to make herself look incompetent just so Boimler would feel competent. That's bad enough. But then, even after promising her that he'd keep this all a secret, he publicly humiliates her so he can continue to feel better about himself. Hey, uh, so you think maybe, maybe fun idea, we could just keep it between us? For sure, we're in a circle of trust. This is a shuttle of silence. <laughs> so the Ferengi's right there, and I'm like, Mariner, we can't trust this guy. He's a Ferengi. And then she says, she says, get this, she says, oh no, that's a Bolian. <laughs> he not only claims a right to comfort, but blatantly does it at Mariner's expense and does it by straight up lying to her. Now, this is all terrible, and I'll share the wildly complex way to avoid this here in a minute, but I have to call the episode out here. The episode plays this off like she's happy to have given up a piece of her dignity for him. Taking one for the team, you know? But the team, the team is just Bradward Boimler. And even if it was generous and compassionate of her to sit quietly while he insulted her, he told her he would not do this. Total jerk move by Boimler, but something many people have experienced in the workplace here, like a boss or a coworker taking credit for someone else's idea for your idea, and then talking trash about them, even, even if it's in a joking way, all to help prop them up in the eyes of others is absolutely never, ever okay. So here is my wildly complex two-part methodology for ensuring you don't claim an unearned right to comfort. You ready for this? Okay. Step one, learn and understand that when you make fun of or put someone else down, it does not elevate you in the eyes of others. Nope. In fact, it does just the opposite. Now, step two, don't be a selfish jerk. There. Super simple, right? Well, if it were so simple, this probably wouldn't be something I felt I needed to talk about. In the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode, Voyager, Message in a Bottle, I go into detail about mindsets. 
But the people that behave like Boimler tend to have scarcity and victim-based mindsets instead of abundance and intentional-based mindsets. The shift between these is huge. But making the shift will all but ensure you don't put the emotional and social burdens on your coworkers to help you feel better about your incompetence. Now, if you work in an environment where this is the norm, where people are leaning on you to give them their comfort, it might be time to find somewhere else to lend your talents. You might also just be ready for a change, right? Or maybe for that promotion that you've been working towards. For some people, the biggest hurdle between where they are and where they want to be is their current boss telling them that they're moving on. Today, I actually told my boss that I want to quit and that found another place that I want to work for. Thinking about this, I actually, <laughs> wow, I actually have quite a few examples of this exact situation. I have, uh, yeah, I've worked for some pretty terrible bosses. <laughs> so, Sorry, that all just kind of hit me there. Um, but here's a quick story that you might be able to relate to. I had a boss that time has taught me was, was actually a pretty good person. Just They just happened to be a terrible manager. He was very controlling and micromanaged everything. In fact, one of our more controllable expenses was our HVAC. Like It can be very expensive to heat or cool large spaces, right? Well, he implemented a report that we general managers needed to send to him every week with the schedules we had programmed into our thermostats. He wanted us to wait until the last possible second to kick them into gear based on their location. So I was in Disneyland. Actually, actually, I was in line for Splash Mountain and my cell phone rings and it's him. He knows I'm on vacation. One of the assistant managers sent in the report like they were supposed to do and he had some questions. He literally interrupted my vacation to talk about a seven-minute difference in the scheduling. Seven minutes! Ugh. Oh, that's not really relevant to the story, so I'm, I'm sorry. But back to that. For reasons that you can probably pick up on at this point, I was looking for a new job. I'd interviewed for my first position in the public sector, and the hiring manager called me. She said they were prepared to offer me the job but they needed to talk with my current manager first. You know, that, that whole reference check thing. Oh, well, I literally got sick to my stomach. I remember almost throwing up. I knew that the second he knew that I was even thinking about leaving, he'd make my life a living hell. But I had to do it. I had to make this change. I gave the hiring manager his, uh, his contact info and... I hung up the phone. I sat there, nearly shell-shocked. I took a moment to breathe and then got ready to call my boss to let him know to expect a call. But I didn't have to call him. He called me. They beat me to it and called him before I had a chance to. Now, the end of the story, the end of the story is awesome. I got out of there. I launched a very successful career in the public sector that I'm, that I'm honestly really proud of. But for two weeks... As expected, my life was a wide-awake nightmare. His office was in another state, but he decided to come and work out of my location for the remainder of my time and through the transition period. <laughs> Oof, it was rough, but it ended. And all is good. But the thing that I've learned is that I'm kind of an exception. 
I found it. I found what it took to suck it up those two weeks, those two weeks of absolute hell to buy myself more freedom in the future. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people feel that they can't do that. They end up wallowing in a job they're overqualified for or a job they don't want for far too long. It's such a common situation that Rutherford's entire story in this episode is a riff on that fear of looking to grow. It starts when he goes to his division officer, Billups. He gathers up his courage, walks up to him, and asks for a transfer. Now in the show, the lights dim. The camera changes to kind of show Billups like he's a villain. And then he says, Are you saying what I think you're saying, Ensign? And then it's all good. Consider your request granted. Oh man, this is exciting. He, he actually celebrates Rutherford's decision. Ha ha ha. Oh, it's so hilarious. Right? Well, well, it's so hilarious that they go to the well a second time. This time he's found a place that's excited to have him. Shaxx, the security officer, gives an incredible speech about the great work the team does and how great Rutherford will be as a member of the team. But during that speech, he realizes that his heart is in engineering. That's what he really loves. He tells this to Shaxx. And then, just like with Billups, the lights dim. The camera changes its angle on his face. Not for me. What? My heart's in engineering. I'd like permission to leave the bear pack. Rutherford, that is outstanding. Gotta be true to yourself. Am I right, bears? Yeah. Hurrah! Oh, bears. And again, the decision is celebrated. Our workplaces are so terrible that it is a joke that there are supportive managers out there. If you watched this episode and laughed at these scenes, just like I did, just like millions of others did, it's because it is so wildly implausible that a boss would be supportive of someone developing in their career that it is a joke and a punchline. Wow. This all goes back to mindset. Too many people have a scarcity mindset. You know, you know a really good way maybe to envision the difference between scarcity and abundance is this. You've probably heard that you have to fight for your piece of the pie or, or fight to get as much of the pie as you can, right? That is scarcity. There's only so much pie, so I have to be sure to get what I want. I want pie. I want pie. Abundance says, let's work to make the pie bigger so we can all have the perfect piece. When a manager comes from a place of scarcity, they would see Rutherford wanting to leave as them losing a piece of the pie. But if that manager comes from a place of abundance like Billups and Shaxx did, then they see Rutherford leaving as an opportunity for him to broaden his skill set and become a more valuable officer, both to the ship and to all of Starfleet. I tell a story in the episode on Voyager Homestead about a person I worked with, and despite it hitting our production numbers in a pretty negative way, I supported him taking a role in a new office. It hurt a lot in the short term, but we were able to hire someone to fill his role. And in the longer term, in his new role with the new skills he had developed, he was able to help me and my program through some pretty rough stuff. So if we're being honest, you have people on your team right now that want to leave hopefully to support their ongoing development, right? Some of them, though, aren't telling you this. And it's up to you 
to create the environment where they feel safe doing it. The way I work to do this is through both one-on-one and group interactions. One-on-one, I straight up ask people to talk about their career goals, and then we check in on their development. When they feel ready and I'm comfortable supporting them, I do everything I can to help them find that next role. In a group setting, I publicly celebrate the positive reasons for people leaving. I just actually in the last month had two people leave the team so they could focus on their families and their personal lives. With their permission, I celebrated their commitment to what was important to them, wished them well, and I did that in an all-hands meeting. Make promoting and even leaving the norm. Celebrate it. When you do that, people will be much more comfortable coming to you when they're ready to move on. We have a few more five-star reviews to share. Christine 11 says, Super fun way to go deep on leadership lessons and ideas. I'm not personally a Star Trek fan, but the show still resonates on deep levels. Thanks, Christine 11. (laughs) Disappointed and ripped off says, I used to be a Star Trek fan, so I'm loving the application of the theme. Thank you, disappointed and ripped off. And hopefully, I was able to help you be a little less disappointed. Wasim F. says, This podcast is 100% worth the listen. I wanted to hear some leadership content. Little did I know I was going to be hooked on Star Trek. Thankfully, there's plenty of episodes to carry me through for a while. Can't wait to use the advice I learned as well as the Star Trek references at my business. Thanks, Wasim. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review so I can read it here as well. I appreciate them very, very much, and they do a lot to help people make that decision to give the show a listen. And I'm on the social media at SFLA Podcast on Twitter and just about everywhere at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff T. as in Tolgana 4, A-K-I-N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. If you remember a few episodes ago, we watched the season two finale of Enterprise that kicked off the Zindi War arc. From there, I said that any time the random episode generator came up with an episode from Enterprise's third season, we'd take them in air date order so the story can, you know, kind of make some sense. And that's what happened. So we're going to dive right in. The Enterprise has been in the Delphic Expanse for a little over a month, and we're going to see how things are going in the first episode of the third season of Enterprise, The Zindi. And until then, Ex Astra Scientia! Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling, styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. 
But I like Airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.